I'm Aaron, that's Will. We are bringing you the passion, tradition and drama of college football to listeners down under. Because we fucking love college football. They hand it off to Johnson Boise State! Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I am joined by Will Chase, your losses. Murden, how's it going tonight, Will? It's going well, my man. How are you? Well, gee, it's been... We've struggled to get this uh, plane in the in the sky, but we've eventually got it going. And uh, yeah, I think we'll put red in the shed and just keep heading forwards. I think, I think you're right. Uh, nothing more to say on that. It's been a grind so we better make it a hell of a show <laughs> exactly all right so first things first just a quick on season's over yeah i mean the regular season's come to an end we've got uh championship games uh, this coming weekend then we wait for bowl bids after that and whilst you know a lot of teams finish up now it sort of feels like it just comes to that abrupt end even though there's everything left kind of to play for yet yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? It's not kind of like the build-up to finals in footy and stuff like that because there's that huge gap between the playoffs as well. So, yeah, we've still got con- conference championship game and that's pretty huge and that's, you know, still going to be awesome viewing this weekend and I'm really looking forward to it and most college football fans around the world should be. But then it kind of, it's a bit of a weird one with the whole bowl situation because a lot, most of it doesn't really mean jack shit. It's only like the New Year's Six that really count for anything and... All That's, those guys that maybe qualify for a bowl game for the first time in 30 years or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's great for, from the player's side. As yeah. a fan, I guess it'd be fun to travel and go see your team yeah. and kind of have that as a bit of a holiday. But as the kind of listener from a million miles away, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like playing teams that you don't get to play against very much. Like, you know, if, you know, my again, focusing on the Miami side of things, but if we go and play... Uh, uh, South Carolina or uh, a UAB or something, if we get one of those mid-tier programs. Yeah, it's not going to be a great spectacle necessarily in one of those big showdowns, but it's just a team you don't play every year, and yeah. I don't mind that. I'm, I'm always concerned that you're not getting a true indication, though, come bowl time, because yeah, a, lot, a lot of the time dudes have kind of thrown it in a bit uh, and not playing because they're focusing on the draft or... They've been partying so hard in the days leading up to that they're really not putting their best performance out in the field. Yeah, possibly. Which I completely understand. Oh, 100%. Uh, okay, so we're going to take go through the key takeaways from Week 13 action. We've got game reviews to hit, uh, the Australians in action, our bold predictions, and getting back on the punt where we probably pushed this week. Uh, but, you know, we've had a little bit of success there in the last couple of weeks. So, And all of a sudden, Will, when he's not putting the money down, comes good. So yeah. maybe we'll uh, Crazy that, eh? turn back to you. <laughs> all right, your key takeaways for this week, Will. I've got a few. So I'll kick us off. Larry Fedora, firstly, out at UNC. Yes. So North Carolina have moved on from his... He started there in 2012. They won the Coastal uh, and played in the ACC Championship game, but he is out after a disappointing season from the Tar Heels. 
But the key point around this is the fact that the coaching carousel this year appears to be either moving slowly or you know completely not moving at all. And there's not going to be that big program hire that we often see year to year. Uh, as a lot of those guys aren't struggling, and there's on the other on the flip side of that is you've got to have someone to hire, and outside of probably Matt Campbell and Ryan Day at Ohio State, there's probably no one there that's really you know that real headline coach in waiting that that has been there in the last few seasons, whether it was Fuente leaving Memphis or whether it was Scott Frost leaving uh, UCF last year to go to Nebraska, there just isn't that guy this year, I don't think, uh, and and there's certainly no job to to take if if they do want to move on yeah there's there's quite a few out there i think um a few of the coordinators at some of the big programs like george's defensive coordinator i forget his name and same deal with the offensive coordinator at ohio state both obviously had good years with what they put on the field they've got resumes behind them so i think they're in good positions to take the head coach gig at one of these spots that comes up but you're spot on in that there's no real blue blood available this year there's not a, a big time program looking for a new headman so that's interesting yep and i think that if you are after that if you're after that that coaching change and that moving on i think that's going to be a next year thing because uh, there'll be some guys on hotter hotter seats and we'll get to a few more of them probably looking into the off season Another name that comes up is um, Mike Loxley from Alabama, who they just seem to keep their coordinators for one year, and then they move on to a head coaching gig somewhere. Correct. Anyway, uh, other takeaways from you this week, William? Well, I think part of it kind of flows on from what you were saying in that there's not a lot of head coaches at these big programs who are getting ousted because Alabama have been so dominant, it's almost been a write-off of a year. And, and a takeaway for me, we've come to the end of the season. I've been underwhelmed this year. Just because they've, Alabama have stolen the Christmas spirit or the college football spirit. <laughs> so they're the Grinch, is that what you're I'm, saying? I'm calling them the Grinch because they have just kind of been so dominant this year in a fashion that we have not seen since 1888. So they've got played 12 opponents this year and beaten them all by more than 20 points, which has not happened since 1888 which was Yale back then. And that was a hell of a different football game they were playing back then. Yeah, they would have had like that wedge formation. People like died back then. And it would have been all white dudes. It would have been <laughs> white, rich guys. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's a bit disappointing on that front because I like that carnage. You know, I've been kind of cheering for yeah, it. Yeah, you have been. We're, we're just on a collision path of seeing Alabama v Clemson 4. I yeah. Mean, I know they didn't play in the championship game last year. That was in the the uh, qualifying game and we still had a hell of a championship game in overtime yeah, with yeah. Georgia but it just seems like that's where we're heading and it's been that way since almost week, week one yeah exactly right yeah. so for me I'm a bit disappointed yeah and I think it seems like some teams have just taken the year off a little bit uh, and that kind of comes back to my next point is that the middle kind of class of that top 25 or the, the upper, I guess it really becomes the upper middle class, I suppose, of the whole of college football, that kind of ranking 30 up to sort of 10 to 15 is really weak this year. Like Kentucky, they're going to finish in the top 20. Florida are going to finish around the top 10. Syracuse are going to finish inside the top 20. Like these aren't really big 
quality programs year in, year out at the moment. I say Florida's not a big program. It is, but they haven't been successful recently. And I also don't think they're that good. Like, they're, they've got a lot of issues. Correct, yeah. And it's not so much that they're not big programs, because I'm all for, you know, a good football team being there. It's just yeah. that they've all shown real deficiencies. Yeah, yeah. They've all had yeah, that's multiple games where they've been blown out by teams or they've looked really poor. So yeah. I agree with you 100% there. So, yeah, a bit of an interesting one there. Uh and I'm still waiting for that big season-defining moment. I'm hoping it comes this weekend because I just don't think it's happened yet. There's been some amazing games. There was one amazing game this week, but it certainly didn't have national playoff implications. It didn't even have SEC implications, really. And we just haven't had that game, and there's going to be less and less opportunities to have that moment. And I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm not hanging out for it on a national defining stage. I think there's been a number of games that have been awesome that have been ended like that. The LSU A&M one was incredible. That went yeah. forever. And there's games earlier in the year where same thing, maybe not everything on the table, but they've been amazing games. So I have enjoyed that. We haven't had a lack of quality on the field. Okay. Any more takeaways from this week? Yeah. Uh, you pointed this out to me, so I didn't have this game on when we were watching, but our boy Mackenzie Milton. Yeah. Oh, that was nasty. By the time I'd flicked over to it, all I was getting was the old, we're not going to show this out of respect. Yeah. And you know that's never good. <laughs> yeah. Like when, when that's on, it's oh. So he's in a bad way. Uh, I read somewhere that he had emergency surgery on his knee, knee. and internal injuries. Yeah, I don't know what that means. No, me either. They're, but... they're kind of hesitating to comment. Dad kind of or his father did the, I guess, the the media statement, so to speak, but it was very aloof and... So do we know what the deal is here? Is this like a Trent Henschel car wreck, like... Uh, I don't think anyone's saying it. it didn't look... I saw it at the time. In fact, even on the play call, I was like, oh, this is not shaping up well. I almost... Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to say I'm psychic, but and I didn't think the injury would be this bad, but I was like... It was third and eight or something, and they were running like a QB draw off right tackle. And it was just one of those ones how... And I could see it happening. I was like, why are you doing this? Why are you running this guy? And, and you've got a, a safety or a corner coming from the outside. And of course, those being the smaller guys often go low and try and take legs out. And then you've got a linebacker or someone coming from the middle of the field that often goes high. And I, could, I just saw it happening. The helmet go low onto the leg area. And I was like, this isn't... Even before the contact, the way it was shaping up, I was like, this is not going to... And then and then I saw the picture of it and his leg was bent like a boomerang. Yeah. And I was... Ugh, nah, was crook. Not, was a, crook. not a good one. I, bad play call. I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but ooh, I didn't love it. Yes. And, you know, that's terrible for such a, an accomplished dude. He's had oh. such a great career there. You really hope that's not the end of it for him. Well, I mean, he's a junior... Uh, he would get a medical red shirt if he hasn't used his red shirt already. Yeah, I think uh, we can. Yeah, I think you can get that on top of. But yeah, you can. I think for him, it's just like walking again at this. Yeah, stage, yeah. Well, so. yeah. I mean, obviously, you want his recovery to be, um, you know, good and and positive for him, and hopefully that that yeah he can live a fulfilling, fully abled life, let alone going out and playing football again. But uh, and and hopefully onto you know an NFL. Training squad. Yeah, know, exactly. A, a chance to compete there. Last takeaway from me is I need to make an apology. I ragged on Will Muschamp time and time and time again at the start of the year for 
his boring play calling. But South Carolina refused to play in boring games. They score lots of points. Jake Bentley threw for a million yards and five touchdowns on the weekend. I'm sorry, Will Muschamp. You play in entertaining games, and well done to the Gamecocks. Yeah, I mean, you are wrong in that case. (laughs) He took offense to it. I think we've touched on this before, so he turned around. But that's probably a great segue into my last point, which is that this game is changing. Like, college football is not what it used to be, and we see that at every level with the amount of points that are being scored now. But the numbers just from this weekend are absolutely insane. When I started reading through in prep for the show today... You had your A&M... Wait, hang on. You read yeah, some yeah. stuff in prep for this show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying on the way home. <laughs> Plenty of research. But also, Saturday, Sunday, I watched a lot of football. Yeah, I was did, really dialed did. in. I'm yeah. in a lot of trouble in this house. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm dialed in. So, that, the A&M LSU game, which cost me some real points because it just kept going. It's like, yeah, I'll take the dog out. Yeah, I'll take the dog out. An hour later when bloody overtime finished... 74-72, the most points ever scored in an FBS match. Crazy. It's higher than the basketball match would be between those two schools. Yep. Seriously. Uh, Michigan surrendered 62 points. That's the most it's ever given up in a non-overtime game. Ever. Back to 1891. And that's a good defense. <laughs> Apparently one of the best. <laughs> Uh, the Sooners have given up at least 40 points in each of their last four games. Yeah, defense they've, is, they've won all of them. Defense is optional. But in they Norman. are the only team to have ever done that yeah. in the AP poll era. So it's back to 1936. Yeah. Never happened before. Yeah. Jake Bentley, as you mentioned, threw for 510 yards. It's the second highest total that Clemson has ever given up. And they lost, like, cons- comfortably. By- <laughs> yeah. And Tua Tagovailoa, nailed it. Hey, you did nail it that time. Nailed it. Scored six touchdowns, which is the most for Alabama ever. Is it? Correct. So he had uh, five in the air, one on the ground, most ever by an Alabama player. Uh, They've scored 50 or more points eight times this season, which is tied for the second most in the AP era. Wow. That's some quality research there, Will. But Look all at of you. It, all of it just shows you how much the game has changed, how it's just an offensive game now. Yeah. Our defense is out the window. They're letting the boys play. They're, you know, they've gone quite soft uh, on the penalties, pass interference, all of that sort of gear. You can't get away with much now. Yeah. And as a result, they're just running up the score. Yep. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with you and I feel like if you're deciding as a young guy you're like yep cornerback's my spot get ready for a year like years and seasons of getting picked on unless you're elite and even then like you can have a good game and now still give up catches and scores even and still have a good game you only need to make one or two plays defensively and Oklahoma proved that on the weekend and we'll get to that one shortly alright moving on bring out your dead yes so uh, let's have a look at this week. We had probably two teams in my eye that are, are dead. And one that I'm... I don't know if we bring them back as a zombie or not. Zombieing? Potentially. So we have Alabama at one. Yes. Locked into the college football playoff. Done. Yep. Notre Dame at three. In. Al- also locked into the college playoff. They've got no one left to play. Yep. You got so co- you're saying Alabama's in even if they lose to Georgia? Even if they lose, they are in. 100%. Okay. Doesn't matter. 
I mean, that'd be the best loss that anyone would have. That'd still be a one-loss team. Yeah, I, it's, yeah. It's, you can't really argue it. Yeah, okay. Uh, so then you've got Clemson at two, who have Pitt, and you have Georgia at four, who play Bama. Yeah. So assuming Clemson win out, there's one spot there. But you've then got Oklahoma and Ohio State at five and six. So when we're talking dead, Michigan lost to Ohio State. They're done. Yep. They got no Agreed. chance. They're not in the championship game. They're out. Washington State were the last ones we had alive. They yeah. lost to Washington. They're done. The one that's interesting are our friends, the Golden Knights. Oh. <laughs> oh. Because there's no way. There's there, no there, way. There is a way. And let me take you that way. Alabama win. So, so Georgia's, Georgia's out. Done. I feel like that's why they put Georgia at four. They're like, oh, if they put Ohio State above and Ohio State win, they have to stay there. Whereas if Georgia go through, they don't have the issue of then having to leapfrog. Yeah. Just... But that's kind of been the natural progression. Yeah, true, 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 so, true. So that's cool. But Alabama win. Okay. Notre Dame are in. We're saying those two spots. But if Clemson somehow managed to Clemson, which hasn't happened in a long time. Not going to happen to Pitt based on what I saw on the weekend. But if... Yeah, okay. That were to happen and say... Uh, What's happening in the Big Ten? Northwestern win. Yeah, so high State are done. Yep. And then Texas beat Oklahoma. Uh, you're taking Georgia. That would take Georgia ahead okay. of UCF. You take Georgia, but then you've still got another spot. Are you taking Clemson above ahead yes. of UCF? If they just lost to Pitt, who UCF beat? Oh, they did too. Uh, UCF make it, even without their quarterback. They've got to make it in that scenario. So that's incredibly unlikely. I can't see it happening, but I think there's a hint of zombie about them. They would take... Michigan? What's Michigan got two losses against Notre Dame and, and, a, and a potential qualifier in Ohio? Oh, no, because they're not be out because they would have lost to Northwestern. Oh, I don't know. We're getting real speculative we here. Are, and we it's, are. But I, I'm just writing out there that there's a chance. There's a chance. Well, I might take them in the championship <laughs> draft because Michigan ain't going to make it. Um, anyway, we need to keep this train rolling. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be here until the wee hours of the morning. Okay, whilst you say that, I do want to jump back into something we touched last week. Okay. Uh, our duck hunt, our coach duck yes, hunt. So we, yes. So we went over that uh, in last week's episode around coaches who we thought were on the hot seat. Correct. Revisiting that, Mark Richt, your boy, safe. Yeah, he's safe. He's then. safe. They're not yep. sacking him. I looked at the numbers. He, his buyout is incredible. And and that's something that we don't talk about. I don't look at coaches' contracts, but the same reason that Gus Malzahn's not going to get fired, he's, at, were, he's owed like $32 million or something. Exactly like, right. Not, he has a $32 million payout. They're you, not you're gonna, jumping the gun there. So sorry, mate. Malzahn was another one we touched on, and that's exactly right. He's He just signed a seven-year Malzahn-friendly buyout deal that... That's an incredible amount of money. It doesn't matter how much money these schools have got. $32 million is obscene. It is, but they've only got to wait 12 months and that number, of course, drops. And, yeah. and then you've all of a sudden got some guys like, you know what, it, in, was, it was 32 last year. Now it's down to, I don't know what Even it would in be. three years, it's still a huge number. And people yeah, are saying it's pretty safe there. So. Yeah. Uh, Clay Helton. So they've come out and dropped it. This is the first losing season that UFC have had since 2000. There were only 59,000 people at uh, the Coliseum on the weekend, which is the lowest number for a USC Notre Dame game since 1960. 
Wow. Port Adelaide would be thrilled with that if they got that every week. They I had feel to, like any AFL team would be. They yeah, had so. to get the tarps out, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Clay Helton has uh, been booked in for another year. Their AD's come out and said, yep, yeah, we're backing him in. He's locked in for another year. I've heard it before. If he bombs again next year, he's done. There's yeah, no yeah, way. Yeah, but it's one more year. So well, he, not, he, he's he, got another I, year. I don't think he'll last a year. Like, if he goes, if it goes south again, he won't last the full year. Well, it doesn't help when you've got the fire Helton chance around the stadium. Oh, well, they're running banners in the sky as well. They ran the planes on the weekend, and Lynn Swan's come out. I know he said that, yeah, they support him, but ugh, if they, they're they doing the Coliseum upgrade at the moment, if those boosters start pulling out their millions of dollars and saying, nah, we're not doing this because the product's no good, I'm sure he'll have a change yeah. of heart. Um, I think he's well positioned with the team that he'll have, with the young quarterback. I think JT Daniels has got a lot. They had a, a, quite a young team this year. I don't think he's a great coach, but I think he's got all the tools to make it work next year. So we're going to find that out. Uh, Larry Fedora, as you Dust. mentioned earlier, done. Cliff Kingsbury. Well, all the talk is there that he's gone. He is gone. They've come out. Texas, officially done. I missed that. Sorry. Yeah, I no, he's, he's out the door. So that was one that you said would probably keep his job. I said if he loses to Baylor, he's done. And sure enough, he yeah. he's out the door. They're saying it's a win-win situation for both of them because now he can kind of pick his offensive coordinator position wherever, and that's including the NFL. Yeah, There's a lot of hype around him going up and having a crack there. Do you know how many true air raid guys there are at the NFL? I feel like he could come in as a passing game coordinator or something, but... Yeah, anyway. I think he's that innovative mind, though, and it's going towards a passing game that you've yeah. got a running backs coach to manage part of it. I think he could get the job done there, and that would be good. It'd be interesting to see who Texas Tech get in to fill the void there, because they're... That Has up, there been any talk? About. Upper middle class, uh, not heaps that I've read on yet. So that'll be one for us to follow. Okay. Uh, and then the last one, Lovey Smith, Illinois. So they've come out. He's gone uh, nine wins in three years. They lost again. They won, went what three and nine this year. Got himself a two-year extension. Yeah. So okay. they've come out this week and doubled down and tacked on another two years to the end of him. So I kind of see what they're doing with this one because. He's only been there for three years. They've had a huge churn at the head coach position, and it's not a good way to run a program to continually turn over head coaches. So even if you're not getting the results that you think you want or that you know that you want, that stability can be massive. And trying to work with someone who you know is a good coach uh is not the worst thing in the world. So I completely understand what they're doing there. And hopefully for Lovey, things can turn around and they can get a bit more competitive in the Big Ten. Yep. And the last one, just quickly, uh, Bill Snyder at K-State, they reckon, is having a rethink due to the fact that they are missing a bowl game for the first time in a long, long time this season. And there may be a little bit of time to pack it up, buddy. You're about 7 million years old. Exactly right. I was, thought, I was wondering where you're going with that one because he is ancient. Yes, he is. So How old a coach, though? He might be done at K-State. All right, let's get into some game reviews. Uh, we're going to have to bust through these quickly, but let's start in the Big 12. Oklahoma and West Virginia... 59 to 56, can someone play defense? Nah. The answer would be no. Uh, two offenses, yeah, slug this one out. Field goals weren't a thing, which I sort of disagreed with early because West Virginia had a uh, fourth and six from 
it might have been fourth and goal from their own six, and they just went for it. And I didn't love the play call then. I think you kick a field goal, go up 17-14. As it turns out, the field goal was the difference. And uh, probably the West Virginia offense was actually better over the course of the day. We talked about defense being optional at Oklahoma and, and the way that the game is changing. And they Oklahoma scored two defensive touchdowns. And that may be all you need these days. It's You don't necessarily need to stop people all the time. But if you when you when you get a chance, like you make a sack on second down for the first time in a quarter and you get them to second and 15, second and 16, that has to be that that particular series that you get them off the field. Yep. You can't miss on that. Or, or if there's a tip ball, you just have to make a play on it. And that's kind of how Oklahoma are living at the moment. Um, but that's not going to hold up well at the college football playoff if they make it that far. No, 100%. And you're right. I mean, I know better than anyone with Oklahoma State this year, they've led the nation in sacks. So they've been... Boom or bust. They've gone flat out to try and create that one, you know, down situation where they get them off the field. But there's been so much out the other end that they've been so super inconsistent that they've beaten good teams and then lost to all the garbage. It's, it's You get too much all over the shop to do that on a consistent basis. I think Oklahoma are a little bit better. They're a, they've got a little bit more talent around in and are more consistent. I mean, they're still giving up a boatload of points, but that's because they're putting their defense on the field a lot more than anywhere else. Like, there, there is a little bit of a balance to it where people say, oh, the Big 12 is a joke. They give up so many points. Like, yeah, because they're running a lot more plays. They run, like, 25% more plays, so there's more chance for people to score. Doesn't surprise me all that much. They came up with two huge fumbles for scores that was the difference. I mean, that was the difference in that game, and that, that's a defensive side of the thing, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Big 12 hold up when we do go to those bowl games. I think that is where it gets interesting to see, well, if all of a sudden you go to, you know, into those bowl games and the Big 12 all of a sudden starts getting torched and they're going three and out all over the place and not being able to score as many points, or maybe they do, they still score 30, but they're giving up 60. I think if you go you know. back historically and have a look, the Big 12 has a pretty good record come bowl, bowl game. time. Yeah, so. okay. Interesting. Maybe that's something we can bring up over the next couple of weeks, do a little bit more research while I'm on a roll here. Uh, I do have a fun stat on this one, too. Okay, talk me through it. So this is on the betting, and we should have got this one earlier. If you had looked at the over-unders, the highest spread each week. So this week it was Oklahoma-West Virginia, 89 points, I think. That's an obscene amount of points, right? If you had taken the highest spread each week week and taken the over on that, so every week... The over on that, you've won eleven and zero, or yeah, twelve right. and 0, whatever we've had. Yeah, every week the highest spread has gone over. Free money out there. Wow, for anyone paying attention. That all be in the Big Twelve as well, probably. Almost but... certainly. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a couple of really big players: Marquise Hollywood Brown, uh, the cousin of Antonio Brown at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is he? Yeah. Uh, he went for over 200 yards for the Sooners, and gee, is he lightning fast. They get him in space. Kyler Murray was fantastic, and that was always going to be a bit of an issue for the um, the Mountaineers. They they struggled to stop the big corn dog running the ball last week, and, and Kyler Murray's probably a better natural runner. Uh, and probably. They, and, <laughs> yeah, and they struggled to, to keep him contained. Uh, 
I, I don't know. There's not there's only so much you can say about a game that was 59-56. There was not a lot of defense. It comes down to who can make the plays when, and, and Oklahoma did that. What you can say is it's awesome to watch. Yeah, yeah. Now Oklahoma go and play Texas in the Big 12 Championship in a rematch of the Red River Rivalry. Yes, we'll touch on that in our uh, preview episode. Can we sure will. All right, into the Big Ten. The What was supposed to be game of the week, Ohio State and Michigan played in the horseshoe there in Columbus. Now, Ohio State just really dominated that one, 62-39. to 39. I mean, it was relatively close at the half. Michigan scored some points late in the second quarter, but I had no thought in any way, shape, or form that Michigan would concede 62. If you did, then you are lying because no one thought that. We were sure that Ohio State's offense was probably still pretty good, and they were. And to your credit, you called it. You said they would get going. Dwayne Haskins is, in fact, really, really good. Urban Meyer's record of not losing as an underdog, all these sorts of things. Uh, you know, And we were concerned about... Well, I was concerned about that. I was concerned about the Ohio State defense, about Dwayne Haskins. And both of those things held up. Dwayne Haskins, over 300 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, and it was his your use of that short to intermediate game with those crossing routes uh, that was great against man coverage that Michigan liked to employ. Yeah, I mean, I did say this was a perfect spot for Ohio State. Uh, I loved everything about that. And they went in and took care of business in an in emphatic uh, way, really. It was quite the statement win that they really needed because they have been struggling up until this point, just putting in just enough really uh, and playing at the level of their competition so for them to come in against what we both considered to be one of the best defenses this year in college football and to put up 62 points is just insane so really painful one for Jim Harbour I'll bet uh, he goes what 0-4 now against Ohio State this is a huge rivalry so as good as they have been people will now see this as an incredibly unsuccessful year Oh, 100%. I mean, your job in Michigan is to beat Ohio State. It's to get to the Big Ten Championship game and, and to get to the playoff. Either. And they haven't done that. I thought that not only was the offense from Ohio State fantastic, they made that Michigan defense all of a sudden look a bit slow, a bit unathletic, stodgy. Paris Campbell is a weapon on the outside. He's yes, fast. Sir. He scored on that end around, which I think was the longest rushing attempt rushing, yeah. against Michigan or even for Ohio State. Wouldn't be Another record smashed. Yeah. Uh, the thing that surprised me was that Karan Higdon couldn't get going. Um, you know, compared to Ohio State, uh, the, Ohio State put up 249 yards. Karan Higdon ran the ball at the middle and got shut down a lot. They just couldn't get anything going in that in that third quarter offensively, and that and that broke it open. So, good job to Ohio State. I certainly didn't pick a blowout in that one. They head to the Big Ten Championship game. Yes, they do. All right. Into the Apple Cup, Washington and Washington State. The Huskies come away victorious in this one, 28-15. Oh, gee, it was blustery, snowy, real average conditions up there in Pullman. Uh, when I saw Jake Browning throw that pick into the end zone in the first quarter, I was like, oh, he's doing it again. He can't handle the big game. From that point on, he, was, he wasn't he was amazing, but he was certainly effective and efficient in those tough conditions. But really, it all came down to Miles Gaskin and his job getting the ball done on the ground. 
170 yards, three touchdowns, including an 80-yarder on third and one at the start of the fourth quarter that sort of semi-iced it. Because uh, it was snowy. Good yeah. one. Uh, the Cougs really just couldn't get anything going in that in that weather, and that really hampers that air raid offense. You can't get your feet underneath you, uh, and you know it is a bit kryptonite to those to those air raid teams. Yeah, I feel and, really bad for them in this spot. I mean, yeah. they've had such a great year. This is a huge rivalry for them. Yeah, they've been playing so well, and then to get those conditions that just play completely into Washington's hands yeah. and go against everything that they're after. They were always up against it. And then for them to lose by a couple of scores, not a huge surprise. I liked Washington's chances going into this one, so not surprised at it. But it's just devastating that it's kind of those external factors that really had such a huge impact on the outcome of this one. Yeah, and you asked me earlier in the year about why haven't more teams adopted the air raid. That's potentially a reason. In the Big Ten and up north, maybe they want to avoid that like the plague because it, it, it can hamper you. Just build yourself a carrier dome. <laughs> well, you can do that like Syracuse. Uh, so now the Cougs sort of sit tight and, and hope they get a good bowl game. I don't know where they're likely to go, but they'll get someone pretty good, I would think. Yeah, they're still in the hunt for a New Year's Six game yeah. with the season that they've had. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. They need a couple of things to go their way, but I think that would be deserving for them and Gardner Minshew and the year that they've had. Yeah, and I don't think you really want to get them in a bowl game, probably, especially if you're not used to that air raid sort of stuff. No, definitely not. Washington head off to face Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, and all of a sudden they're quietly going to end up possibly the winner of the Pac-12, which yeah. is where the, we thought they were going to be, but they've done it a little bit more adventurously a than sh- I would have. A short 12 weeks ago, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's jump into some other games. We will pause for extended periods on some of these, but feel free to jump in. We're going to start in the group of five, actually. UCF and USF went uh, to battle in the war on I-4. We talked about the McKenzie-Milton injury, and that probably puts a massive dent in that UCF chances moving forward. Uh, Greg McRae went off for the Knights, but they get through 38-10. to 10. Memphis upend Houston. We needed that one. 52-31 to 31, uh, on the back of number two runner in the nation, Daryl Henderson's 178 yards. They play UCF next week. Utah State goes down to Boise. So Boise will now play Fresno State in the Mountain West Championship. As we head into the Pac-12, Oregon, Oregon State do battle in the Civil War. What were your thoughts on this one with Justin Herbert coming out of the game with a bit of an injury and the Ducks running backs, Travis Dye and CJ Verdell, both going absolutely bananas to the tune of you know, roughly 200 yards apiece? Well, this is the cherry on the cake from Las Vegas, really. Oh. <laughs> this, this is where it really blew my mind about how good they are at oh. what they do. So over under in this one, 70 and a half points. Yep. Ended up 55 to 15. That is a cool 70 points. So we were on the under in this one. Uh, Oregon had the easy cover, so we just needed the under. Oregon State score with 14 oh, seconds to go. It wasn't even that. They It was the last quarter. The score was 34 to 9. I was yeah. like, we are so in here. Did some quick math. What do they need? Four touchdowns? Or three touchdowns? I yeah, can't do the math on that. Three they scores need, real quick. I need 21 points. No, it was four scores. I need 21 points. So, three. Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, d- I did the math. Someone scored with 10 minutes. To, anyway, they needed 21 points in the last sort of 10 minutes. And I was like, we're still sitting pretty. Four, four touchdowns by, by, both co- by both teams in the last quarter is not going to happen. No way. It's wet. They're running the ball. The clock's going to move quickly. 
all of a sudden we had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. We had uh, an easy rush by the Ducks. And then Oregon State get it. And I was like, oh, God. And then they get a first down. I was like, oh, okay. They're just going to sort of... Then they handed it off two times. I was like, sweet. They're just going to sort of kneel on the ball here. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? We're at halfway. Let's throw one up. Touchdown. Vegas, I was like, oh, Vegas my knew. God. Oh, Vegas my God. Knew. Anyway, Oregon State go for two and miss, and that between that and the missed extra point, that is the only reason that we made money on that game. Beautiful. Oh, I was packing it there. Yeah. Love being on the right side of one of those. Oh, yeah, anyway. UCLA come fighting back against Stanford, but the Cardinal hold on as Will Spate goes for over 450 yards for the Bruins, which is a big day for him. Chip Kelly, I think, has got UCLA pointing in the right direction, particularly offensively. They lose that one 49-42, but I think they'll be relatively happy with his first season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're definitely going to be an interesting one to watch next year. I think they could turn the corner pretty quickly and start to put up some big points like we saw at Oregon when Chip was the head man there. Arizona State come from the clouds against Arizona. Arizona, couldn't believe it. They were up by 15 points, I think, at one stage in the last quarter, 17 points. They lose this one 41-40. Not only that, they actually got behind, but then got themselves into field goal range and pushed the field goal wide at the gun. It took everyone at Arizona trying as hard as they could to drop that one. <laughs> oh, jeez. That hurts. Oh, like, oh, JJ Taylor fumbled. Oh, anyway, Colorado are not very good. Cow jump out the blocks early and maintain that margin throughout. They win that one 33-21. to 21, And Cow quietly moved to 7-4, and four, like very quietly, almost silently. Yeah. Uh, they could finish 8-4 and four on the year, which would be a massive year for them. BYU was in control in the first half of the Holy War. Then they weren't anymore. Utah comes storming home. Three touchdowns in the last quarter and they get over the top of BYU 35-27. to 27. USC did everything right, but could not win over Notre Dame. They go down 24-17, to and the Irish, as we said, stay in the hunt for the national championship. USC could have put a well to hurt on them. They caused two turnovers in plus territory, but just couldn't score enough points in the yeah, end. Which this one played out exactly as I had called as well, just quietly. Oh, I'm sick of you bragging. Yeah, but this doesn't happen very <laughs> no, We'll get you back on the punt this week, and you'll bomb. Iowa 31 beat Nebraska 28. Uh, on a walk-off field goal by Miguel Racinos. Racinos? Uh, my Spanish is... Excellent. Muy malo. Um, Nebraska claw their way back into this one, but fall short. Iowa finish 8-4. and four. Nebraska 4-8. Four and eight. Uh, Not going to a bowl game, but again, I think Scott Frost has got that program heading in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Penn State, Wade Lee's Maryland, 38-3. Purdue downs Indiana 28-21, to and they become bowl eligible in the process. Had some good moments, but probably faded down the stretch there, the Boilermakers. Northwestern beat Illinois 24-16. to That gets Lovey Smith uh, an extension, and they'll face Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game next week. That's Northwestern, not Illinois, by the way. Michigan State squeaks home in a gross game against Rutgers. Rutgers led the whole way there. Uh... Oh, dude, that would have been funny if they won. Uh, Minnesota beats Wisconsin. Go on, you Golden Gophers. Between the Gophers and the Boilermakers, we've had some good, some uh, good wins this year. That's First a good time one. in fourteen years. Yeah, uh, yeah, which was amazing. They get their mitts on the Paul Bunyan on Paul Bunyan's axe. They get bowl eligible as well, which is fantastic for that program. Well done, PJ Fleck. Imagine the parties in Minnesota. That would they would have been going off. Yeah, on the back of that one. Um, 
As we head into the SEC, it was all Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. They beat Old Miss 35-3. to But what was the highlight of that game? Uh, I, I don't know about the highlight, but that's one I'll fess up. I got this one well wrong. Yeah. I said it'd be close. You didn't it see wasn't. those four guys getting ejected? Just um, punching on? Brawling? Yeah. yeah. I was, I was going to say that earlier. Has there been more brawls this uh, year? Yeah, we'll get to that. It just seemed like, yeah, it's a rivalry game. So when this game's on the line, or not on the line, it's over. We're just going to fight. Yeah. But it was a cheap shot by Jonathan Abrams on AJ Brown, actually, that sparked the whole thing. Punched him flush in the head. And he didn't get thrown out the game. <laughs> Three Mississippi State guys did, but he didn't. So... Uh, not a good one there, and that's a. Day, I think that's one that needs to be looked at and reviewed. I think they go to ejections very quickly, and they should, but that needs to go to review. I think I thought they did. I thought they reviewed that to find out who instigated it, and then they're supposed to kick them out. I know they do in the NFL. Yeah, that out the hard way today with my boy Leonard Fournette. <laughs> yeah, well, having he was himself a day. <laughs> About to get me that win before he decides to go all gangster, start throwing down, get kicked out, and I lose. Thanks, mate. Uh, all right, Missouri shut out Arkansas. Ooh, yuck. 38 to nothing. Missouri finished 8 and 4, but I think that's a little inflated as they were 0 and 4 in the SEC before beating Vandy, Arkansas, and Tennessee. They did get a win over Florida, but there's a lot of pretty average teams there. Auburn hang tight early against the Tide in the Iron Bowl. Um, but eventually they pull away 52 to 21 and cover that 24 points. Yeah, Citadel hung tight too. <laughs> Doesn't need squat when they go yeah. for over 50 in the end. Yeah. Tennessee and Vandy, Knoxville versus Nashville. The winner becomes bowl eligible. Go Doors. Yeah, anchor down. They've done it. Uh, so they pretty much dominate that one. I'm going to say I picked that one. I did pick Vandy to win. Uh, a great win for them, and they will get a very mediocre bowl game, but it's a bowl game nonetheless, uh, and they sent Kyle Shermer and their seniors off in style, which is good. LSU. Now, you watched every minute of this six-hour slugfest. Oh, didn't I? LSU 72 go down to Texas A&M 74. It took to seven overtimes to sort this out. The most um, points in FBS history. Have you ever seen a, a head coach receive a Gatorade bath and lose? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I did say that. They were celebrating because there was the Kellen Mond fumble that, that he happened? picked back up, threw a pick, but his knee was down in the last 30-ish seconds. That would have been game over. Not the case. They reviewed it. They go down and score on a massive player's time. Expired. Um, expired. They had to complete a fourth and 18 on the drive. Courtney Davis makes a big touchdown catch. I mean, talk me through overtime, Will. It was just insane. Like, it was, the whole game leading down to overtime was incredible. The fact that they were able to get it done. The fact that they had it won LSU and then didn't. Yeah. Great, great viewing. But then when it got to it, it was just, all right, we'll score a touchdown. Cool. We'll keep the extra point. Yep. We will also do that. All right, <laughs> yeah. we'll jam you up. We'll kick a field goal. All right, we will also jam you up and kick a field goal. All right, we'll score a touchdown. We'll go for two. Ah, oh, we'll fuck out. We won't get it. Ah, oh, we can do that as well. <laughs> All right, let's get the two this time. Yeah, us too. It just kept going and going, and they were just matching each other, blow for blow. It was great. I was like the looks I was getting in the household from both the dog and the partner were not good. <laughs> Furious because they're like, this, you've been saying this will end for like an hour now. Yeah. I thought it would, but apparently not. Kept going, loved it. Uh, Ripper to end the season for them. Then there was big box on at the end of the game between uh, coaching staff. 
So the uh, some of the coaches got into it, and there's some good footage going around of uh, one of the A and M assistants going up. And I'm not sure if he's related to Jimbo Fisher or what the deal is there. But he, the moment he goes up to him to tell him uh, that he hit one of their guys, you can see it like he's kind of showing. Yeah, I threw a punch at him, and Jimbo's Fisher's his face is just like what did you do fuckhead like he thought he was gonna be all proud and shit and he's like you are so fucking fired like that was good um i mean there was some controversial calls in this one uh the first overtime jay sternberger makes a catch and then gets hit and it was called incomplete i don't know if you think that was a fumble i think it was a bang bang play it's a hard one to call but I think that probably was a fumble. I didn't think it was. I, I thought that he'd taken a step. The ball got knocked out. I see that get called all the time. Yeah. It was line ball, but I'm comfortable with that being called. 100%. And you don't want a decision like that to decide the game, I don't think. I, I think they made the right call. I, in, in the true sense of the word, did he catch it and control it? Yes, he did. But the LSU player got there just in time. Uh and on that same uh, one, they held A uh, and M held LSU to a field goal, and they had first and goal from the one and could not get it yeah, in. Yeah, and that was where LSU really stood up. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, you, you go to the flip side of that fumble, where if he had have caught that in the end zone and then the ball got knocked out, they would have been saying, "Nah, no way, it's an incomplete yeah, pass, yeah, yeah. not a catch and a fumble." Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there was a whole heap of third and longs caught, some crazy catches by, um, what's his name, Rogers. Yeah, that big fella, he was going off. Yeah, he went bananas. And look out the SEC. I think A&M in the future with Kellen Mond, Travion Williams, they've got some good bits and, and, and they should be good. And the, the defense in the SEC tends to always be really, really good. Both de- defenses at the end of that look like they had taken, like, you know... When Leon, in Wolf of Wall Street, when Leonardo DiCaprio's taken, like, what are they called? Quaaludes, yeah. Quaaludes, yeah. And he's like, just can't really function very well and he's stumbling around. That's what the defenses look like at the end of that one. also what I look like most Sundays, so (laughs) I know that well. Um, Okay, so let's just push on here, shall we? Uh, Florida, speaking of fights, actually, Florida... Wade leads the crap out of Florida State, 41 to 14. Uh, and then Dan Mullen sort of had to break up a bit of a skirmish as one of the Florida players was trying to plant the flag on the Seminole logo in the middle of the field. And that uh, they diffused that situation. But that was another one that could have turned nasty as well. Yep. Uh, FSU finished with a losing season and miss a bowl game. That hasn't happened since 76, as in the losing season. They have missed bowl games, but not very often. Yeah, I don't mind the whole keeping them off your field, though. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, neither, neither do I. Get out of here. Neither do I. And I think it was good by Dan Mullen to get that, diffuse that situation because that's how stuff does start in fights. Like, yep. people, they will punch on. Uh, Georgia get all their ducks in order for the SEC Championship game by belting Georgia Tech 45-21. to 21. Georgia Tech's hot... Uh, sorry, Georgia hot defense holds Georgia Tech to just 128 yards on the ground. Uh, and... Does Georgia have any chance next week, Will? Uh, they have a chance. I mean, they showed it. Okay, cool. Clemson. Be- <laughs> nice. Carry on. They, they showed it in last year's championship game. Uh, I 
don't expect them to win. Alabama are a different level this year, but they have a puncher's chance for sure. Okay, Clemson beat South Carolina 56-35. Both offences went off. We talked about Jake Bentley and Debo Samuel for the Gamecocks, but it wasn't nearly enough for them. Kentucky smashed Louisville, who can't play defence, even against a team that can't really play offence that well. Louisville go 1-10 and against the spread this year, so we probably should have looked at just betting against them all year. Uh... The Wildcats win that one 56-10. So they got some real issues there. Baylor in the Big 12 get eligible against Texas Tech. That's bowl eligible. Um, 35-24. Good for the Bears as they appear to sort of be on the improve. Oh, 100%. They won, what, one game last year? Two games maybe? So for them to turn around and go bowl eligible is a great result for them. Iowa State scored 21 points in the last 10 minutes to stun Kansas State, 38-42. to K-State will now miss a bowl game. We talked about that. Disappointing season for them, but Brock Purdy continues to do his thing. Yeah, they had to work hard to drop that one. Yeah, a disappointing year again for your cowpokes, mate. Uh, Oklahoma State had to stop one guy. One guy on TCU's team. Jalen Rager, and they couldn't do it. That dude is a boss, though. <laughs> In their defense, watching that entire game, he is a weapon. Yeah. He was hoosting around the field. They're getting the ball in his hands, and no one could goddamn stop him. I, I don't blame him. He's, he was a specimen and impressive. So, you're right. Incredibly disappointed with how the years played out for Oklahoma State, but not at all surprised at the end result because that's how the season's gone for us. We, You know, we beat up on... Teams who are going to be ranked in the top 15, a, a couple of them. and You lose to K-State, Texas Tech, and TCU. And Baylor, yeah. And Baylor, which is disappointing. Texas 24 manages to hold off Kansas 17. I think Texas just stopped playing defense in the last quarter. But they play in the Big 12 championship game. And Sam Ellinger's arm appears to be all right. I think. Yeah, I think they started to look ahead to that Big 12 championship game a yeah. little bit early. Syracuse nearly Wade Lee's whoop BC, but not quite. 21 points, 42 to 21. Uh, big win for them. Eric Dungy, three rushing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns, six on the day. Dino Babers may get some calls in the offseason, potentially about some bigger jobs if anything opens up. NC State and North Carolina go to OT. Disappointing for us. The Wolfpack do outlast the Tar Heels, 34 to 28. But literally as soon as NC State scored on that short run, North Carolina like, yep. We're doing this. And they just started throwing down. Big brawl in the end zone. Some serious punches thrown as well. That was a, an impressive fight. Were dudes wearing helmets? They were, but that was like guys on the ground and they were getting stuck in. Like that was the biggest. Yeah, they were going nuts. Wake Forest. Wow. They get bowl eligible and hand out a Wade Leasing to Duke somehow. 59-7. to Cade Carney, who... That's not a name, but he went for over 220 yards on the ground for the Deeks. Didn't Wake Forest lose by like 70 points to Clemson? Yeah. They... <laughs> what is going on in the ACC? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Virginia Tech win the Commonwealth Cup against Virginia in overtime, 34-31. to uh, Bryce Perkins fumbles on the Who's possession in OT, which is a bit disappointing. Miami beat Pitt. 24 to 3, and I am really concerned about what Clemson is going to do to the Panthers next week. Yes, you should be. We all should be. All right, it is time to have yourself a day. Okay, we've got a a special edition of Have Yourself a Day this week where we are going to be looking at those who had a good week 
as well as those top scorers on the year. So, we have to fly through this one a little bit quickly. Uh, Will Greer, first, uh, his highest yardage total of his career in what could well be his last game, had uh, 32 of 49 for 539 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, which is a huge effort. Kyler Murray on the other side of that had 20, uh, 20 of 27, 364 and three touchdowns. So that's insanely efficient. Those two dueling it out. Uh, Jake Bentley, we mentioned earlier, had 510 yards and five touchdowns. And Wilton Spate had 466 yards. So all three of the top in Greer, Bentley and Spate all had huge days, all had losses. So they'd be disappointed in that. Uh, our boy Cole McDonald at Hawaii is still getting it done. So he had a great game with 452 yards and three touchdowns. And Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State had a, an awesome game as we touched on. 20 of 31, 396 yards and an insane six touchdowns. Yeah, we've been a little bit quiet on Hawaii as the season's progressed, but they've had a fantastic year and they come from behind to beat San Diego State on the weekend and they'll play in a bowl game, which is fantastic for them. Definitely. Uh, running the ball, we had Cade Carney at Wake. A uh, big reason as to why they were run up the score on Duke. He had 31 carries for 223 yards, so that's busy. Uh, we also had Trayvon Williams at A&M, I think. He ran 35 times because they just ran so many goddamn plays. <laughs> but that's 198 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, CJ Verdell at Oregon had four touchdowns on the ground and 187 and yards. He had a receiving touchdown as well. And some big fantasy numbers. Yeah. Uh, receiving, we had Marquise Brown at Oklahoma and Gary Jennings at West Virginia just dueling it out. So Marquise Brown went for 243 yards and two touchdowns. Gary Jennings went 225 and two touchdowns. Just insane numbers there. Debo Samuel at South Carolina had 10 catches, 210 yards and three touchdowns, which is incredible. He is a dude. Yeah. Paris Campbell, you touched on, six catches, 192 yards and two touchdowns. All of that super impressive. Uh, overall leaders, maybe we'll, we'll kick this into the next episode. Let's let's hold off on this one. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. I will touch on a defensive guy who was fantastic this week, Devin White at LSU. Now, I know there was a lot of plays in this game, uh, and surprisingly not that many yards. I was like, oh, well, with all these overtimes, these quarterbacks have got to be putting up like 500 yards each, right? It's only 25 yards in from there. I think like it was 270 to 260 or something. It wasn't that impressive. Anyway, Devin White, defensively, he was flying around all over the place early. He just sees the game and is so, so fast. He's an absolute weapon. 17 tackles, 12 solo, four tackles for a loss, a sack and a forced fumble. That is a massive, massive day and that is the most Im- noticeable, most impact plays I've seen from a linebacker in a game for a long, long time, I think. Yeah, he's my favorite defensive player this year. Oh, uh, yeah. And I didn't expect him to be, because he's a bit undersized, you know, is he that, all this and all that, but he, he is. He's the deal. Yeah, he's I the did real from deal. day dot, and he has exceeded expectations. Yeah, for sure. All right, Australians in action. Let's finish this season off well with a lot of these Aussie boys uh, how did we go yeah so uh, last last time for this year that we'll um, capture this one and as it has been for most of the way down the stretch the top five remain unchanged 
finishing on top for our Aussie boys this year with an incredible season. He's been one or two for, I don't know, every one of the last eight weeks at least. James Smith at Cincinnati. Go on, James. Averaged over 47 yards per punt on the year. Uh, finishes in the season, the season rank uh, four. I think he was nominated for the Ray Guy. So he's on the, the watch list there. He's one, one of the last finalists, not the watch list. He's one of the last three finalists, which is incredible effort. Uh, he's joined by two-time winner of it already, Mitch Wisnowski. Uh, in at three, so everyone knows he can punt. Everyone knows he's got a future on Sundays. Uh, he ends up finishing our rankings nine in the nation, but had a great year. Uh, in behind him is Max Duffy, so freshman year at Kentucky, and he's had a great year and looks like he's going to have a stellar career there. So he went for over 44 and a half, nearly 45 yards per punt. Tyson Dyer behind him, so another small school guy at New Mexico, only a sophomore, ends up 15 in the nation, 44.3 yard average, had a great game this last weekend, amazing season to him. And then rounding out uh, the top five is another freshman who's got a big career on him. He's already had a professional career playing football uh, at St Kilda, Aaron Sipos. Now potentially might be looking to move on to an NFL career. Uh, only had the one season here, but it was a great year. He's only going to build on from that. So awesome work from all of those boys. There's so many others who've had great years and we could go down the list, but it's been an, an, another awesome effort from all of them. Uh, you know, the, the numbers are really impressive with where they've been able to sit. And I don't see the wave of Aussie punters that's crashing over the ranks of college football ending anytime soon because they're just so successful. Yeah, not a chance of that. And we'll spend a bit more time on uh, a bit of a postseason awards list, list giving these guys the credit that they deserve because they have had fantastic years. Other guys that had big games on the week, Stephen Coots at Cow had eight for 46.4 yards. He's still got a bowl game to play. Kurt Christodoulou at Pitt had 12 punts at an average of 43.3, a long of 73. He's still got a conference championship game to play, uh, and he might do a bit of punting then. Michael Sleep Dalton at Arizona State was good for the Sun Devils. He had five at 43.4 yards per, and he also has a bowl game to play in. So still some football to be played for these guys. Yeah, definitely. All right. Heisman hero, wide right, wash out. I washed out hard. Did you? The Apple Cup and Aaron's favorite. So I picked the Apple Cup for the Cougs to win by 21 points or more. Aaron's favorite being Purdue, 21 points or more. Washington won the Apple Cup and Purdue just got over Indiana by seven points in the end. Although they were up 21 to seven to start last quarter and actually had the ball moving and I was like, oh, we could get this here. Didn't happen for us. Anyway. It did not. Okay, well, I was a hell of a lot closer than you, uh, but still not able to get the job done again. So I had Ohio State to win, which they did. I had Washington to win, which they did. I then had Mississippi Rebels, Ole Miss to cover. The 11 and a half. They got reamed. <laughs> they did get reamed. So that did not happen. I did not get it. I am looking like going wanting for this segment all year. Yeah, you, I've got two. I've doubled down. Yeah. So I've, I've, I can't catch you now, depending on how deep we go with this. Nah, maybe I can. We'll have conference championship and some bowl game specials. So <laughs> there's, there's a chance. I'm, I'm the UCF of this segment. <laughs> yeah. All right. On the punt. All right. I had six bets for us this week. 
I had three units on NC State to cover uh, the seven points against North Carolina. They failed to do that. They won by six in overtime. Two units on Florida at minus seven to cover Florida State. That happened. Easy money. Two units at Memphis, minus seven against Houston. That happened as well. Oregon, minus 16.5 and the under. I was packing it on that, but that happened. Uh, Two units at Texas to cover up Kansas. That did not happen. One unit on the multi of underdogs, Ohio State, West Virginia, and Washington to a win. Uh, We got two out of three. West Virginia let us down there, and I think we maybe break even there. I'm not 100% sure. Will, you're the bean counter. Yeah, no, end of the day, if we include your bonus bet, which obviously we're going to because (laughs) I put money on it, uh, we ended up plus two this week again. So another couple units back uh, to help us dig out of the hole. So that's a great result in that we're making money. So that's two weeks in a row from you, mate. It is fading, but... It's positive. <laughs> it is positive. So I'm happy. Uh, we're, we're still at negative 17.7 units, so we've got to have a busy championship and bowl season. Well, oh, God. And this is where we you're going to start taking more and more flyers yeah. and danger time. But you've made some predictions correct this week. Just so. between you, me, and all of our listeners out there, I have already been making these flyers, <laughs> and they're not coming off. So... <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of our week 13 review show. I feel like I've just been in a tornado that has whirlwind tonight. Uh, Please make sure, as always, you do hit us up on Instagram and on Twitter at College Football Down Under. We are getting towards the end of the season. Uh, We've got the big conference games coming up. Join us next time. My name's Aaron. That is Will, and we will see you on Wednesday.